0: Have you ever heard the name Nolan Bushnell, who turns 80 years old today? You might not know his name, but he may have shaped your childhood like he'd shaped mine. At an early age, Nolan loved electronics, repairing radios, TVs, and washing machines. While earning a degree in electrical engineering from the University of Utah, he worked in an arcade at the Lagoon Amusement Park And there he was inspired to create his own electronic video game called Computer Space. His fellow engineering friends loved it, but he couldn't seem to sell it to anyone besides them. So he created a much simpler game in 1972, where you hit a little white blip back and forth across a screen, like tennis. You remember Pong? He scraped together $500 and started a company called Atari, which in Japanese means you are a target or prepare to be attacked. People bought 100,000 units of Pong and by 1974, the video gaming industry had launched. Soon, two former Atari employees named Steve approached Bushnell about investing in their home computer system that was built from borrowed parts from Atari and with the technical support of Atari employees. The Steves, Jobs and Wozniak, initially offered their design to Bushnell and Atari, but Bushnell wanted Atari to focus on arcade and home game consoles. Later in 1975, Jobs offered Bushnell a chance for a one-third equity in their company. Bushnell said no. He said, I was so smart, I said no. It's kind of fun to think about when I'm not crying. And if you thought Pong was annoying, Bushnell also started Chuck E. Cheese. The Apostle Paul had watched that little white blip being hit back and forth between the people in the Corinthian church. People had become targets for each other. They were in high conflict. They were attacking each other. So Paul wrote them a cease and desist letter. Hear the good news from Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 10 to 18 from the message. I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. Using the authority of Jesus, our master, I'll put it as urgently as I can. You must get along with each other. You must learn to be considerate of one another, cultivating a life in common. I bring this up because some from Chloe's family brought a most disturbing report to my attention that you're fighting amongst yourselves. I'll tell you exactly what I was told. You're all picking sides, going around saying, I'm on Paul's side, or I'm for Apollos, or Peter is my man, or I'm in the Messiah group. I ask you... Has the Messiah been chopped up in little pieces so we can each have a relic all our own? Was Paul crucified for you? Was a single one of you baptized in Paul's name? I was not involved with any of your baptisms, except for Crispus and Gaius. And on getting this report, I'm sure glad I wasn't. At least no one could go around saying he was baptized in my name. Now come to think of it, I also baptized Stephanus' family, but as far as I can recall, that's it. God didn't send me to collect a following for myself, but to preach the message of what he has done, collecting a following for him. And he didn't send me to do it with a lot of fancy rhetoric of my own, lest the powerful action at the center, Christ on the cross, be trivialized into mere words. This is the good news according to 1 Corinthians. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, help us to center on you and on your gift of sacrifice in the cross. Amen. Have you ever had a disagreement with someone that started out pretty well, but went south awful quickly? Sometimes my wife and I have such disagreements. I know you can't imagine that. And when she doesn't understand what I'm trying to say, I once or maybe more than once have made the mistake of getting louder, thinking that might help her to see my point even more clearly. And then I try to really explain it to her so she can understand that I'm right, hitting the ball back into her court. But then she continues to disagree with me. It's no longer just a disagreement. I begin to see her as disagreeable. And then she starts to hit it back and see me as disagreeable. And then she calls my daughter and now it's two against one. We've escalated. What started as a simple conversation, a small disagreement, explodes into something much larger with people taking up sides, hitting the ball back and forth harder each time. How did things escalate so quickly? Why does it sometimes seem easier not to get along than to get along? Paul writes the church at Corinth, I have a serious concern to bring up with you, my friends. I've heard that you're fighting amongst yourself. He implores them, you must get along with each other in the church, cultivating a life in common. As a Christian community, we're called to get along, to build each other up because it is so easy to divide and take up sides rather than staying together and struggling through our differences. You may remember that they have done some interesting research about collaboration with chickens, of all things. Bill Muir studied chickens at Purdue University. He identified superstar chickens that produce more eggs than other chickens around them. But he found out the way that these superstar chickens do it. The way they produce more eggs is by pecking at the other chickens around them and making them nervous. Picking and pecking at them so much that it suppresses their egg production, leaving more resources for the super-producing chickens. So they decided to try an experiment to see if it's possible to breed collaboration into chickens and to analyze the impact of that on their egg production. They split the chickens into two groups, the aggressive super producers in one group and the kinder, less aggressive, medium producing chickens in another group. They bred them together for five generations and they took the best egg producers from each side to produce higher and higher egg production numbers. The results were pretty dramatic. The kinder chickens after five generations were healthy and productive, increasing overall egg production by some 260%. They called those the green zone chickens. Take a look at this picture. Here's what's left of the super producers. Hardly a feather left on them after all the picking and pecking on each other. During the experiment, these super producing chickens killed more than half of their fellow super producers, literally pecking their fellow chickens to death. And they called those red zone chickens. ever find yourself in the red zone picking or pecking at others to protect what is yours your side your opinion in the book anatomy of peace we're reminded you can say the same thing to someone with a heart at peace in the green zone and it will be heard very differently if you say the same thing with a heart at war in the red zone we hear things differently when our hearts are at peace than when our hearts are at war now That shift from green to red can happen in an instant. Sometimes we almost don't even realize that we've switched from the green zone to the red zone, from being at peace to being at war. You may have heard me tell this story before. It's a story that gets repeated in so many ways in our lives. A guy had promised his wife earlier in the week that he was going to mow the lawn at their house on Thursday night. When he got home on Thursday, he remembered that he also had a tennis match and so the back and forth began. He told his wife, I'm going to mow the lawn, but I have a tennis match in a few minutes. He got out the mower and he mowed the lawn very quickly, about as quickly as you can cut the grass. After he was done, he came inside and he was running upstairs to get changed when his wife, with a heart at peace, just calmly asked, aren't you going to edge? There was no edge in her voice. She just knew that in their household that when you mow, you edge. It was a simple fact. That's how they did things. She calmly asked him, aren't you going to edge? And he did not respond in the green zone. He did not respond with a heart at peace without even thinking about it, getting defensive now. He hit the ball back to her so hard with a full backhand and he blurted, it doesn't need to be edged. In fact, I pushed the mower down extra hard on the edges. It'll be fine. She then moves from green to red and says, Fine, I thought we, when we mowed we edged, but that must have changed. And now there is an edge in her voice. She said, I'll do the edging while you're out playing tennis. And he yelled, I'll do it when I get back. Have you ever felt or seen that move from green to red, from war, from peace to war? After the match, the guy gets home. He's played the best tennis game he had in years. He beat an opponent that he'd never beaten before and his wife serves the ball back into his court. She says, I'm glad you're home. I know it's dark, but aren't you going to edge? They've moved from hearts at peace to hearts at war, and it happened in just an instant. And the reason the shift happens is this. When we ignore our best impulses, our warm-hearted impulses, the work of the Holy Spirit in us, when we ignore our best impulses, the nudges of the Spirit, We start that movement from the green zone to the red zone, just like that. When we know the right thing to do and do not do it, we betray our best selves. And Paul is calling us in the Corinthians to remember Christ in us. For each time we ignore what we know is the right thing to do, we get a little crooked. We get out of alignment. And the more we ignore the right thing to do and do not do it, the more crooked we become. Until sometimes we just get bent out of shape. Have you been there? And when we're bent out of shape we begin to justify our actions and then we try to align the rest of the world up with us as we try to justify ourselves. I imagine he got to the tennis court and told his opponent about how unreasonable his wife was being and yet he was the one who promised to mow the grass and when he double booked he had to justify himself trying to shift the blame to her. The more often we know the right thing to do and fail to do it, the more crooked we become. When we ignore our spirit-led impulses, we begin to get crooked. Paul was worried about a church that was failing to get along with each other within the family of faith people were bent out of shape. And rather than working to get along, they started taking up sides, saying things like, I'm a founding member of this church, or I joined back when Paul was the pastor here. Oh yeah, I joined under Apollos, not me. I was baptized in Jesus' name and under that authority. So the Apostle Paul writes to his church, a church he loves, and says, you need to calm down, take a breath, time out. Has the body of Christ been divided into little pieces so we can each have our own? No. Were you baptized in my name? No. You've lost your focus trying to justify your divisions, getting people on either side to try and line up with you and take your side. The Apostle Paul was so concerned about his church because they were trying to get everything to line up with them instead of remembering the power of Christ on the cross and lining up their lives with the cross. Maybe we need to ask ourselves, is my life lined up with the cross? Am I justified by faith? Is the sacrifice of Jesus at the center of my life? Or am I busy trying to get everything else lined up with me as I justify my actions? Are you cross with someone in the red zone today? Or have you been bearing the cross of Christ in the green zone? Now we all get cross with others at times. And Paul's saying, don't stay cross with people. But stay by the cross as you deal with people. Let the cross be the center of your life. Align with it, with that sacrificial love that brings people together. Have you been in the red zone lately, at home, at work, with someone that you love or someone you barely like? We don't always have a heart at peace. Is there a place in your life where you need to move from red to green, from stop to go? We come this morning to partake of the gift of grace this morning that moves us from red to green, from separation from God and each other to the confession and forgiveness where God gives us peace. Maybe it's time to stop the back and forth like Pong and be the mature one that offers forgiveness as it has been offered to each of us in this holy meal. Come and receive the green zone of grace. And like that famous theologian Kermit the Frog once said, It ain't easy being green, but being green is good news to us and to those around us. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.